when you exercise, the results are very black and white. So when I started working out as a kid, I could see myself get stronger the week after I started. You know, oh wow, I added I added a rep to my you know my my push up, or I added five pounds to this lift. And so what it reinforced in me as a kid, which is I'm so glad I did it at a young age, right? What it reinforced in me was if you put in work and effort and you're consistent, you'll get a result. Mm. And it's a very black and white result. You know, like if I if I want to go do some like spiritual growth, which I think is also very important, it's not like I go to one, you know, church, you know, uh, sermon or I go read one book or I attend one meditation and then the very next week I have a measurable result. You know, it's, it's harder to quantify. Now, you definitely get results, but when you work out, it's clear. It's very clear. You did another rep. Guess what? You're a different person today. I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today I have on the show uh, one of the hosts of Mind Pump, Sal DiStefano. And Sal and I first got connected, as, as many of you know, I was a guest on their highly acclaimed Mind Pump podcast last year. Him and I have continued a relationship and he's, he's really inspiring what they've done um, over at Mind Pump, the company they've built, because they do it with just absolute integrity, honesty, and just a no BS approach to help people use fitness and other modalities of their health uh, to become the best version of themselves. So I wanted to bring Sal on here to talk about you know how they built Mind Pump, what he's got going on now, his story, where they're going, talk about the pandemic a little bit, everything fitness, and make sure you stay tuned to the end um, because Sal has a special offer for our listeners only um, that you can benefit from. And just really like take heed of a lot of what he says uh, about building a business, about starting a podcast, about doing things the right way because there's so many people out there today that are starting businesses that want to start a podcast, but they don't build a foundation. They don't do it the right way. And with that, you know, what happens is they fail. So you want to make sure you listen into this as Sal gives, you know, some incredible advice on how they've built this empire over at Mind Pump. So without further ado, I bring you the man, the myth, the legend, Mind Pump Sal. Sal, man, thanks for hopping on the show. Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you again. I'm in the studio, as you can see. I know. So. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool because like I we first obviously got connected as I was on your show last year and now I'm I'm excited to have you on this year and um so like what's the how are th- how have things changed for 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 the guys at Mind Pump during the quarantine like is it business as usual or are you guys having to record things virtually like what's going on? Well, so early on during this whole thing, um believe it or not, I got sick with all the scary symptoms, mm. you know, off and fever and um, just all the sk- all the scary symptoms. So I, I quarantined myself for about two weeks, and so we did. We continued to record the podcast. The guys would meet up, and then I would call in with my phone. Mm. That only happened for the first couple weeks. Then after that, I got better. We we come back into the studio. Our whole staff works from home right now, so it's just me, Doug, <clears throat> Justin, and Adam. 
and uh, we record our podcast, create our content. Now, I, you know, we we were afraid that the economic downturn that's been caused by the by this you know situation would really hit us, especially because gyms are the, one of the first places to be shut down. Probably some of the last places that'll be able to be open in the ways that they were before. I mean, I know they're opening some of them up now, but they're they have such crazy regulations mm-hmm. put on them. I don't see how they can survive. Um, so we thought, oh my gosh, we, you know, we might get hurt. You know, we sell fitness programs, and luckily we had uh, our our at home workout program maps anywhere that requires no equipment, and we had created that program years ago. So we put that one on sale and it just flew because I think everybody was like, I need to work out at home. I don't have access to a gym. So that did very well. Luckily, most of our programs, you know, we've been training for a long time and we know that the most effective exercises are the basic ones. Mm. So our workouts are pretty home gym friendly. If you have a barbell, dumbbells, adjustable bench, you're, you can perform most of our programs. Um, we don't put a lot of machines in there just because we don't think they're super valuable. So we've done really, really well. The podcast, the downloads seem to have gone down, uh, probably because people are not driving. Yeah, that's what and, I've heard too. Yeah, a large percentage of our audience listens while they drive. Um, it's gone back up. It's not where it was before, but it's higher than it was when this whole thing started. But our sponsors are still performing really well. You know, luckily we the the, the products and companies we chose to work with are mostly delivery products at home, like ButcherBox delivers. Mm grass-fed meat to your door they crushed because you know people are ordering food they don't want to go to the grocery store we work with a company called prx that makes at home gym equipment of course they exploded um you know supplement companies that were so we we've we've done really well um but we've also been really pushing and hustling to try to offset whatever you know impact that this is going to have on us so luckily for us we've done pretty well and so far, everybody's been safe and, and healthy, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I got to, I got to imagine the fitness industry. I think um, is going to change forever. I think in a big way. I mean, at least the gyms, like the gyms, like the big box gyms. I think people are now realizing with either whether it's a program like yours or others that they can do, they can do workouts at home. They can, you know, do things from the comfort of their home or a smaller gym without having to, you know, spend five, six days a week at the gym. I mean, would you agree? Oh, I, I don't. So here's the thing. I just don't see how the old gym model can survive these current regulations. You know, you, you have a model that's designed because, you know, whatever business you have, you have a model. And then if that model works, you grow upon, you grow uh, within that model, right? So what is the typical gym model? Mm. You sign up a lot of people. You charge low monthly dues. They all share equipment. You don't have limitations on how many people can come in at any given moment. Um, and that's it, right? And how do you make money? Well, you sell a lot of memberships. You have a high volume. It's a low dollar, high volume. Well, that doesn't work if you space out equipment six, six, six feet, six feet, if you're limited by your local government or your state government in terms of how many people can fit, you can put in your facility. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. People are afraid to share equipment. You know, I know 24-Hour Fitness is reopening. Equipment is spaced out every six feet. You have to sign up. You have to register to work out at an hour. So you can't just walk in. You have to sign up for it. Then you show up. You do your workout. They kick you out after an hour. The gym closes every hour for 30 minutes. And they clean the gym. Mm. Um, Mm. 
and then, you know, again, and then think of the environment. You know, you go in the gym to get away from stress and stuff. Now you're going to walk in, people in masks. and Yeah. You're yeah. Get, it just, I don't know. I, I think the only way they'll survive is if they quadruple their monthly due, you know, prices. Because I guarantee a lot of people are going to quit because they're not going to want to go. Um, the gyms now are not going to make much money. How are they going to survive? I don't know. We've already seen home gym equipment explode in sales. I think it's over 600% increase in sales uh, at home equipment. So uh, the, the brick-and-mortar fitness business is going to be a tough one. Now, if, you, if you're a high-dollar, high-service, low-volume fitness business, let's say you own a personal training studio, which is high-value, high-dollar, high-service, low-volume, because you know if I have a studio and people are paying $100 an hour to work out, I might only have five people in there at, a, at any given moment with their trainers, we could probably follow the guidelines without having to change too much. Um, group classes are totally screwed. Totally screwed. Yeah. Like if you have an Orange Theory business, how in the hell are you going to be able to operate that with the current regulations? You have to completely change the whole thing. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't see them doing – I see them – this is going to be the biggest challenge that the fitness industry has ever encountered, ever. Now, when things get back to normal regulation-wise – you still might have some fear. You still might have some some uh, you know apprehension, and uh, at that point, maybe people have started working out at home and said, "Man, you know, I like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep." Especially if you invest in a thousand dollars worth of gym equipment, you paid already you know five hundred or thousand dollars for your your at home gym. You're not gonna go back to the gym. You're like, eh, you know what? I'm okay. I'm gonna stay right here. So it's gonna be really crazy. It's gonna be interesting to see what that looks like. So personally. You know, uh, for me, I put my money where my mouth is. I, I invested in, in, in Peloton. It's a company that, they, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you, you, you work out at home. And, and I invested in that because I figured that they would blow up since everybody's going to work at home. And you know what? It's already happening. They've had the big, they just recorded the biggest class that they've ever seen ever. They've just topped a million paying customers. And they, are, they don't have enough inventory to keep up with the demand. And I think that's already showing you that the, that the, the, the buying habits of the fitness space are fundamentally shifting. Yeah, I mean, so you mean investing? Did you buy a Peloton or invest in like the stock? No, no, no. I bought the stock. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't I ride a bike. I don't care about that. I work I, out at home. I have weights at home. That's what I do. Yeah. But I, but Peloton is an at-home fitness uh, company. They do other things that are fitness also. I'm not sponsored by them or anything like that. I don't work for the company. But I saw the, you know, we saw the writing on the wall. So I said, let's buy some of that stock because people are going to be leaving gyms. There's still a demand to work out. So it's not like people will just stop working out. I think people will, will maybe some people might, but I think a lot of people will still be like, I want to work out. So they're just going to change how they do it. No, you're right. And I'm even seeing with my own workouts, um, you know, I have a set of equalizer bars and a pull up bar, some bands and a curl like an easy curl bar and i'm able to just get after it like old school gym or jailhouse style right and i'm thankful that like i'm all right like all right you know five sets of pull-ups till failure superset that with five sets of dips till failure and then and it's like i haven't really known i mean yeah i miss like pumping iron like in the gym right but i'm also like you know like when we've talked about this before it's like well what can i do i can't you can't, it's not, what am I going to go break into a gym and just be like, all right, like I'm going to come work out in here. And then you risk something and you got to make do with what you have. And, you know, I'm thankful for people like yourself though, who've created like great programs for people at home for people to follow. Cause sometimes people don't, not everybody's a trainer or has a fitness background and they need direction. 
And the one thing that's really interesting about your story is I know this podcast is all about people overcoming adversity and the whole body shame thing is big, right? And I'm not saying I, I, I know you were never somebody who was like overweight or anything, but I know when you were a young teen, you struggle with being skinny, right? right? And when you're entering in high school at that age or you're in high school, you know, and you're looking at other people playing sports in the weight room, it can be kind of, it can be a little bit self-sabotaging in a way. Like what really shifted your mind to really want to get going to like, you know, start really like putting together a solid fitness program in that, at that age? Well, I, I mean, I definitely wanted to change um, how I looked um, and felt. Mm. Like you said, I was, a, I was a skinny kid. I really wanted to change that. Um, I had a growth-minded attitude in the sense that, okay, this is something that I, I, I don't like or I want to change. How, what can I do? What are things that I can do? Um, so I picked up some weights and I started lifting weights and I started learning about it and I fell in love with it. Um, resistance training or exercise in general is the ultimate, it's the ultimate form of, 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 of self-growth, personal growth. Mm. And here's, not because it has all the answers, because I think for, for self-growth and personal growth, there's, you have, there's a lot. There's a lot. And it's never ending, okay? There's a lot that goes into it. But the reason why I like exercise so much is it's a great entry point into personal growth. And when you exercise, the results are very black and white. So when I started working out as a kid, I could see myself get stronger the week after I started, you know, oh, wow, I added, I added a rep to my, you know, my, my pushup or I added five pounds to this lift. And so what it reinforced in me as a kid, which is, I'm so glad I did it at a young age, right? What it reinforced in me was if you put in work and effort and you're consistent, you'll get a result. Mm. And it's a very black and white result. You know, like if I, if I want to go do some like spiritual growth, which I think is also very important, it's not like I go to one, you know, church, you know, uh, sermon, or I go read one book or attend one meditation, and then the very next week I have a measurable result. You know, it's it's harder to quantify. Now you definitely get results, but when you work out, it's clear. It's very clear. You did another rep. Guess what? You're a different person today than you were last week. Not the same. You're stronger. Very clear. So it's a great entry point into, uh, you know, becoming a growth-minded person or strengthening that in, within yourself. And that's what it really did for me. And, and it was. It was a lot of personal growth. I mean, the, the original motivations for working out weren't the greatest for me. You know, it was, it, they were based on my insecurities, which didn't drive me necessarily to make the best decisions. Because of the insecurities, I was, you know, it was a, a lot of it was punishment. Now, I wasn't consciously hating myself. It was like I thought to myself, oh, I hate myself. It was, I want to look like that, and, but I don't now. And so I'd push myself sometimes too hard or I'd force feed myself or I didn't necessarily make the best uh, decisions because I was motivated the wrong way, okay? But I stuck to it long enough. And through that process of self-growth, self you start to examine those types of things. Now, my relationship with exercise is far different than it was when I was... Uh, a child when I was a kid. Um, now I know I have a forever uh, relationship with it. So um, that's how I started. Uh, but the way I've turned out is is a much different, much better relationship. But it's a never developing uh, relationship. Yeah, and I think it's one that'll always continue to grow and evolve as we age, as we grow older. And it's just 
it's cool to hear your story of it of how things have changed. I think like many, like it does, like it's like a spark of, of something that gets us going, right? Like for you, obviously, it was to change your habits, to change the way you felt about yourself, to like develop this growth mindset. And now, obviously, your your routine and the way you feel about it is much different. And same with myself. I know I started it, so I wasn't gonna die of drug addiction, right? And I was like, I need something else to help me feel better and numb the pain that's not exercise or that's not drugs. And, and so like, obviously like through your teens, like you got really passionate into fitness and then that inspired you to be a trainer. So like, you know, and I know you've been a trainer for a couple decades now, right? So like, what would you say, like, what would you say like are the top lessons? Like how is your, how is your mindset as a trainer shifted from like the young kid who's probably trying to just crush his clients, at least, I mean, just speaking from experience and put them through the most toughest challenging workout possible to now like, all right, like now you're at a point where you're more seasoned. You're like, okay, like I, maybe I don't need to crush them. Maybe the best wor- workout is just that one that's not, they're not getting hurt, that they're improving range of motion and being able to squat better. Like, so how has your mindset kind of shifted? Well, I mean, I started out with a lot of passion for, for you know, because I love working out. I love fitness, but I really love people, right? Mm. So, it's a- so I always wanted to help them. I just didn't have the best information on how to help them. I mean, I provided some value. But I wasn't able to get people forever results because it was very. I was very focused on being motivating, inspiring people. Um, I judged workouts effectiveness by how sore my clients got, mm. how hard I could beat them up, how much they could sweat, which are all terrible um, metrics. They don't really tell you you had an effect. Any any idiot can make anybody sore. That doesn't mean that you gave somebody an effective workout. In fact, being sore usually means you did uh, too much. So how did it change? Well. Because I had passion for helping people, through the years, you start to realize that, if you're honest with yourself at least, that you're not helping people long term. You know, I'd get people in shape. They'd lose 20 pounds. But then, you know, six months or a year later, they'd gain it back. Or if they stopped training with me, they'd gain it back. And at first, it was a, uh, you know, uh, my ego was kind of like, oh, yeah, you got to keep working with me. Otherwise, you're never going to keep it off. And then I said, wait a minute. You know, if I if I'm really being honest and helping people forever, like they should they should graduate, they should reach a point where they don't have to work with me anymore, and they they they're in a state like I am, maybe mm. not fanatics, but you know where this is now a part of their lifestyle, and so I changed my approach completely. You know, the the early version of myself would have, if somebody told me that they didn't have much time to work out because they have, you know, kids and a job and they're busy, and they said, oh, I can only come to the gym. Once a week, I would have sat there and tried to inspire and motivate them to come more. I would have said, look, you know, we all have the same amount of time during the day. We all have 24 hours. And how you prioritize your time is up to you. And if you exercise more often, then it'll make more time for your kids because you'll be healthier and you'll be a better mom and you'll be more productive at work. And you need to work out at least four days a week. And if you're serious about this like you say you are, then this is the commitment you need to make. This is how I would talk to people. The older version of myself, the more wise version of Mm. myself, say, perfect, let's work out once a week. I'll design a a workout that can maximize that one day a week. Now, why was there such a difference there? Well, the first one, you know, if if I take, first off, if you say that to somebody who says they only have one day a week and you tell them, no, you can make time, you got to, they're either going to look at you and say, you have no idea what it's like to be me. You have no idea. Or maybe you convince them and then they jump on board from zero to three days a week or four days a week. 
it becomes too much of a change. It's too overwhelming. It's too difficult for them to integrate that into their lifestyle permanently. And at some point they stop, which is what happens to everybody. Now, yeah. the second option, what I learned later was they give me how much time they know they can commit to realistically. We'll work with that. And if we do a good job, they will, themselves will eventually come to me. And this happened every, every single time. Eventually, they come to me and say, hey, Sal, I know we've been working out once a week and I've been feeling really good. I'd love to try another day a week. And that would or, you know, hey, I'd like to start working on my nutrition a little bit more seriously. And that would happen very naturally. And that turned into a much, much, much higher probability of, li- of, of long-term forever mm. result. I mean, the last batch of clients that I trained, you know, I w- I, the average client, the last batch, because I, I don't train people anymore, right? About uh, three years ago, uh, I think three or three or four years ago, we all stopped training people. And um, the average client had worked with me for maybe six years. I had some clients that were with me for 12 years. And they would end up, usually what would happen is I'd train them infrequently once a week. Then they'd go two days a week, three days a week. We'd do that for a while, and then I'd back them back down mm-hmm. now that they work out on their own. But a lot of them would stay with me once a week. Once I stopped training them, uh, you know, I, because of Mind Pump, I still check in with them. We're still friends. Not a single one of them has stopped working out. We had created a lifestyle, so the approach was far more effective uh, later on than it was in the, in the beginning of my career. Yeah, I can definitely relate to all that. You know, at the beginning, you're like just trying to like make your clients soar and crush them, and you get. And obviously, I'm a people person as well. I love people. I love talking to people, and like the the quarantine has not made it easy for that, right? And I'm trying to stay as connected as Uh much as possible. And you know, it's funny. Like you make. I I was always guilty of like, all right, I'm gonna make my client do the goofiest exercises because that makes me a great trainer. And I, and, we, and I laugh about it now with my I mean, I've had a lot of clients for years and years and years. And it's funny. They're like, you remember that time when you made me do like a burpee and you were trying to pass, throw me the medicine ball and you threw it before I came up and you smashed me in the face? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, it just reminds me like how far I've come as a trainer because that was the thing. It was like, all right, if I want to make them sweat, let's go just have them do like burpees. Or let's have them do this and that. And, you know, I, I just I just so learned that like, they don't care about the exercise. They care about how they feel afterwards. And if you're like doing their, like you're sitting there just like risking injury and um, all this stuff, like you're hurting your chances for them to really see long-term results. Cause if, cause a hurt client is no client. Right. So, um, and I remember one thing that really struck, stuck with me is that the Bosu ball, so a trainer I knew, um, I believe somebody at his gym got sued because one of his clients, um, was standing on the BOSU ball and fell. And the trainer was negligent. And on the BOSU, it says, do not stand. And it's like, so that I, I actually really changed a lot of my training philosophy, not philosophy, but after like stuff like that, I'm like, all right, like what's the risk reward? Like what is the, every exercise I'm putting my client through, there needs to be a purpose why they're doing it, right? So I think it's just cool how we grow as trainers. I mean, obviously you've been in it a lot longer than me, but I'm starting to learn a lot of the same lessons you've said. So, you know, yeah. You, right. you just you want to you just want to train them and coach them uh, with the truth. You know, you're if you it's like if you, imagine you went to a martial arts instructor and they're going to teach you how to fight because you're going to go get into a a fight. You're actually mm. going to go go get into an actual match. And your instructor, who's super experienced, who really knows what it's like to fight, instead of teaching you the truth, they think, oh, this is a new customer. I want to razzle and dazzle them a little bit because I want to keep them." 
So they teach you a bunch of fancy stuff that ends up getting your butt kicked in the ring. Right. So here you are, your trainer. And I know how alluring it is. You think to yourself, I got to impress this client. I got to show them something different, something weird. I got to make them really sore and sweat. That's not truthful training. Truthful training is training them in ways that really is effective, that's really effective, not just temporarily, but forever, mm. not just short-term, but long-term, and educate them, train them. And it's your job to do that because you might actually get a client that comes in and says to you, I want to be really sore. Hey, that workout you took me through, I mean, it was good. I felt good, but I want to get really sore and I want to sweat a lot. Well, now you're the, you're the leader. It's your job to explain why that's not necessarily the best thing. And you, and you got to do a good job. This is why communication for a trainer is the most important skill. It's not how much knowledge you have. It's, it's how you communicate the knowledge that you do have. You're right, and I think we need to be able to communicate better as trainers, especially even now. There's so many programs, so many things that are just flashing at you, like online, YouTube, obviously Peloton, and this program, that program, that like we need to be doing a better job, I think, of like really educating people on like what matters, what's important, which I know you all have done a great job on. So I want to know like the, about the birth of Mind Pump. Like so, like Mind Pump is this huge thing right now, and everybody, it's like a movement, right? I think. Like when people, they think of mind pump, they think of like kick-ass fitness um, advice. They think of obviously a show that's got like real talk and obviously humor. And just like it's almost just like it's like a, any, like a show you just go to if you want to get some laughs, you want to get like a, a lectures a little bit and just feel better after listening to it. So how did the birth of this whole thing start? I mean obviously I know you guys all met, but like where, how did that all come about? Like who like was the one that really started getting this thing going? Well, um, okay, so from my point of view, it started when um, – so I, used, I had a personal training facility, and we offered you know, personal training, uh, massage therapy. We had acupuncture, hormone testing, gut mm. testing. I wanted to be a, like a, a wellness mm. facility, if you will, and I was a trainer there. And uh, Doug, who's now our producer, walked in. He was referred to me by a, a, a chiropractor. So I, 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 I had – been in this area for a while and I had started to build a, uh, develop a reputation of being a good trainer. And so Doug went to a chiropractor, had a bad back and the chiropractor said, look, go work with Sal. He's a really good trainer. So I meet Doug and I start training Doug and Doug had a lot of fitness experience and knowledge himself. He was not a complete beginner. He read all the magazines and new exercises, but he had read all the, you know, the, I guess the wrong information, most of the information that's put out by the fitness space isn't very accurate. And so he comes in with this idea of what we're going to do. And I said, no, I think what will be best is if we train twice a week. Here's what I'm going to focus on with you. Here are things we're going to do. Luckily, I'm convincing. So Doug trusted me. And he hired me. So I started training Doug. And, uh, you know, I want to say six months into training him, his back not only no longer hurt, but he, he was deadlifting twice his body weight and was feeling really good. And he came to me one day and he says, he said, Sal, he goes, the way you communicate, I think, would do really well if you ever had to sell a product online. He goes, if you ever come up with something, let me know because I have a little bit of internet marketing experience and we can work together. I had nothing at the time, so I thought, okay. And I've always wanted to write a book. So I thought, maybe I'll write a book or something like that. So didn't think that much of it. Uh, maybe a week later or so, I was up late at night reading the New England, New England Journal of Medicine. There was a study in there. I don't need to go into the details, but it sparked something in me, and I started doing tons of research. And 
the the research I did that night with the study combined with my at the time I think I had like 13 or 14 years of experience training people I came up with uh, maps anabolic which is the which is a workout program the first workout program that we sell or we sold through mind pump so I came up with it and there's some some aspects of it that are very different from from the at the time the popular you know strength and muscle building programs so I came up with that different we tested it extremely effective and Doug said, okay, let's, let's put together some marketing material. Let's make some videos. I'd never been on camera. I'd never done anything like that before. I did have a sales, some sales experience, but I'd never sold anything online. I had no idea what that was. So I put together a, 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 an infomercial. We did, you know, sales scripts. We did videos. I did the workouts and demonstrated them. Doug put it all together in this online program. During this period of time, I had uh, been in contact, like very, very brief contact with Adam, who's my co-host. Adam uh, came up through the ranks at 24 Hour Fitness uh, in similar ways to me. So when I came up, I was young. I was the, the you know, they would call me the phenom or whatever, 19-year-old, 20-year-old general manager doing great things or whatever. And I would hear about this other kid, Adam who was doing stuff like that. Never met him, but just heard about this guy. And people would tell me, you need to meet him. And people would tell him, you need to meet Sal. And we had mutual friends, but that was about it. So fast forward, right? I put together this program with Doug. We put it together. And I am uh, friends with Adam on Facebook because he's building an online, uh, he's trying to build some online authority. He's working, he's competing as a professional uh, men's physique competitor, He's trying to build a bit of a following so he could pivot that into his own business. So I thought to myself, you know, and I, at this time I was sending out my this material, this marketing material and stuff that Doug and I had put together. Basically me on a camera talking about the program, selling all that stuff. So I thought, oh, you know, you know who would be a good person to ask their opinion? Adam. Let me send it. Let me see if you'd be interested in taking a look. So I, I sent him a message. I said, hey, would, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about you. You know, we've talked a few times. If you wouldn't mind looking over... Uh, the stuff that we put together and, and let me know your opinion. You know, I'd love your opinion before I actually market it. So I sent it to him and Adam was very impressed and wanted to get on the phone. We got on the phone with each other and that's when we discussed uh, doing a something, doing a podcast that was thrown around. Now, at the time, Doug and I had talked about potentially doing a podcast as a way to build some kind of an audience. I think Adam, he was partnered with Justin at the time. They had talked about something like that. So at, we got on the phone and we said, let's meet. So we all met. We all actually met at Adam's house. And, um, and, and that's where Mind Pump, the idea of Mind Pump uh, started. And it was, you know, there was, there was instant chemistry, you know, right away. We sat down and we started talking about what it should look like, how we should present it. And we were talking for hours. Mm. And it was just, it was fire. And Doug had the equipment. We had the experience, the, the fitness knowledge and experience. None of us had media experience. And, you know, we're all, I think we're all, we all, one thing that we all have in common is we all have this uh, self-belief in ourselves. Um, we know what the odds are, but we believe in ourselves so much that it doesn't matter. I mean, starting, you know, again, no media experience. Who do you think you guys are? You're going to start a podcast and you're going to, you know, change the fitness space or whatever. But we did it anyway. And uh, we recorded our episodes and um, put them up, and they gained traction uh, pretty quickly. Now, again, we weren't good podcasters. 
we we were we had no experience with media, but we had lots of experience communicating fitness to everyday people. We knew how to communicate fitness effectively. We knew how to sell the right information better than the marketers knew how to sell the bad information. Mm. You know, because in the fitness space, you see a lot of this like, you know, take this pill and lose 30 pounds in, in 30 days and there's a before and after. Or, you know, uh, this, you know, this kind of workout is more effective for fat burning because you get super sweaty or whatever. And it's easy to sell that because it's, it's kind of cheap. And, and the marketers are really good. They're not good at fitness, but they're really good at presenting and media. And the really smart people in fitness are just terrible at presenting. So they lose the battle. So here we are. We know how to communicate fitness very, very well. We know how to sell it very well. We know how to convince people how to do, take the long road, how to do the right thing. No media experience, but it struck a chord. It gained traction early on. And you know, one of the other things that we did was we, we decided to podcast five days a week. We knew that we could produce more information and content than anybody. We knew with our chemistry and what we were talking about, five days a week, we could do that. And, nobody, and it would be hard for someone to keep up with us. Now, and that was true. One of the, the side effects of that was we got a lot of practice. Mm. And so after a couple of years of podcasting that much, we got pretty good at podcasting. So now I'd say we're, we're, we're decent podcasters, but really, really good at communicating fitness. And that's kind of made, uh, you know, and, and Mind Pump now is much more than the podcast. We have YouTube channel. We have written content. Uh, we sell more than just, we, 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 we started with Maps Anabolic, but now we have many programs and things that we offer. Um, so now we're, we're becoming much more of an actual media company rather than just a podcast. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think like I think the like, thing that's important for people to remember who are listening to this is, you know, there's so many people that are, that like want to start a podcast or they want to get involved. And I think you know, you and I were you know rapping a little bit before we started recording that, like, you got to do it for the right reasons. You have to really put a lot of value and time into serving your audience, serving the people that are on the other side of of the spectrum and it seems like you guys did that you guys had this innate passion for helping people innate passion for communicating the right message to people who are into fitness this you know yearning to want to give back on all the lessons and knowledge you all have learned and because of that the byproduct of anything like that is success and sponsorships and all these things that have happened years later it's not like like you released episode one two three four and five and then like the next week boom um, here comes a sponsorship deal or here comes a million downloads or whatever the case may be. No, no. Actually, what we did, Doug, is uh, we we did the podcast for a year. Mm. Didn't monetize anything. Right. Remember, we had a complete online. I Doug and I had already completed Maps Anabolic, ready to go. You know, workout video modules. You could sign in, log in, look at the exercises, blueprints. The marketing, it was done, but we didn't monetize for a full year because what we wanted to do is build a ton of value and authority. We wanted, And from a business standpoint, that's smart because mm. if you don't have those things and you, you try to sell something, good luck. If you have those things, you can sell almost anything. So we built that value. We built that authority. At, the, at around the year mark, people were begging us for workout programs, but can you guys please create something that I can follow or buy? And so a year into it, we launched Maps Anabolic, and that first month, it took off. 
Uh, so I, I recommend anybody who's, if you start any kind of an online social media business or whatever, any type of a, of a new media business, um, build a ton of value in an audience first. Yes. Yeah. And I agree. And like, I, like I was saying, that's exactly what you guys kind of did. And then, you know, you had something to kind of offer as well. So like, all right, so you guys have built obviously a great brand right now. You guys have a lot of great things going for you outside of like COVID, right? Like take COVID out of this. What are some like struggles you guys have faced maybe in the last three to six months pre um, pandemic? And how did you guys get through that as far as like your, the podcast space, maybe, or maybe the online fitness products? Well, one of the big, one of the good things about uh, my partners and I, and one of the bad things is that we're all uh, idea people. Mm. We love innovating and coming up with new ideas and creating new things. The problem with that is it can take your focus off of uh, things. It can you can be a little scattered, so that can be a challenge. Like you get us in a room, and we start hanging out with each other, and it doesn't matter who's around. It's funny if we get together with our families and wives, they, they like, they leave the room because they're like, all right, here we go. Because we just start talking about ideas and how we're going to do this and that and the other. And that can be a good thing, but it can also be a weakness because it can prevent us from following through with, with, uh, certain things. It's also very hard to say no to, uh, you, you, it's one of the skills you have to develop as you grow is to, is how to say no, because there's so many, di- as you grow, there's so many different places that you could build your business you have to pick one and stick to it. You can't do them all at the same time. So it's like, hey, we could, we could turn this into an apparel business and do really well. Hey, we could, you know, we could do a mastermind. I think a lot of people would want to learn about how to, you know, podcast or maybe a mastermind for trainers on how to be good trainers. Or we got fitness programs. Let's let's do that. Or so, so all these different things. You have to be able to say no to all of them and focus on one, um, one thing at a time. Um, the other thing that we might, eh, I don't know if we struggle with it, but. I would say we 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 love to debate and discuss. We don't mm-hmm. always agree. You know, I won't say we struggle from it though because um, we could have the most heated debates, and we respect each other always, always during and after. Mm. Whatever idea we end up moving forward with, everybody adopts. You know, so in other words, if if, if Doug comes up with an idea, and uh, I'm opposed to it, and we all debate together. And I'm heated and he's heated and we're going, going, going. And then finally at the end of it, you know, my partners decide, eh, we think we want to go with Doug's idea. So let's do it. Not only do I agree, but I will now adopt it like it's my idea. Mm. And this is important because uh, it's That's like easy. any kind of relationship though, right? I mean, if you figure you got to like go with it, right? Totally. Because let's say we do Doug's idea and then it fails and it loses us a bunch of money. It's gonna be real. It'll be real tempting for me to be like, "I told you, you guys should have listened to me." But is that really, is that really gonna benefit the partnership long term? Of course not. So I adopt it as my own. So if it fails, dang it, we failed. All right, let's let's try something different. It's none of that. I told you so, baloney. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think like, you know, you gotta kind of. I was talking to I forget who I, I had somebody on my show. Where like you at least got to try the outfit on, you know. And if the outfit doesn't fit, you can always try, try a different outfit, but at least try it on to see if it fits, and be all in for that moment. And I think what you just said is is so true. Whether it's a business relationship, personal relationship, anything is that 
you got to be willing to try other people's ideas when you're in some sort of partnership because we're all different. You chances are you're not going to agree on everything. And, and honestly, I don't think you want to be, I don't want to surround myself with people where we constantly disagreeing because then there's no growth, right? No, we want to win at yeah. the end of the day. You just want to win. Look, I think you have a football team and you get in a huddle and quarterback calls a play and you're like, no, I don't want to do that play. Let's do this one. And then everybody says, no, 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 let's do the play. The quarterback does. So now you go back to the line. You got to run the play that everybody agreed on. You can't self, you can't sabotage it. You're not going to win. Just because it didn't go your way, you know what? I'm not going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it my way anyway. Now you sabotage the whole thing and you lose. Great job, right? So the, at the end of the day, we just want to win. We really don't care. So if somebody comes up with an idea that I don't like, but it does well, awesome. I'm happy. If somebody comes up with an idea that I don't like, but now we move forward, guess what? It's my idea now. <laughs> and if, if it fails, it's like I came up with it myself. See what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. And I think it's important to remember all that as we're kind of um, going through life and you are in partnerships, there's a lot of people out there that are in partnerships for business. And the reason I think a lot of partnerships fail is because they fail to to, um, accept that shift that you just described and going from the I to we and Mm. being like, okay, like this is more about like us, like long-term, like how can we win in the end versus like, how can we win right now? And you know, what I love that, that separates your guys' podcast from any of the other ones I listen to or even any of the other – like a lot of other ones that I've been on is the dynamic of having three people interview me. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> it's like I think I, – I mean I don't remember. I, and if anybody who's listening to this, you've interviewed me. There's been more than one person. I'm really sorry. But I'm trying to think like, you know, like I was on Impact Theory. It was just me and Tom. And then I was on The Rise Together. It was me and Dave Hollis. I was on Rich Roll, me and Rich. I'm trying to think of the other big, but you guys, it was you three and your dynamic was you were able to manage, you're able to manage it in such a compelling way where you all bring the different aspect to the show. And I'm just, I, what's cool is I can talk about it from a guest perspective too. I'm not just interviewing you. I was on the show and I'm like, all right, Adam's like the, the hammer. Like he's like, he was like hammering me with like questions trying to like pry into me. And like, you were like more like philosophical trying to get more in deep into the lessons and the story. And Justin's like the one like trying to like crack jokes, you know? So it was like, it was, and then Doug's like in the background, like waving. So it was like, you know, the dynamic is, is amazing because that's really hard to find. And especially as you guys have all brought it together. I mean, is there any, did you guys have any kind of guidance from other podcasters when you guys get started? Did you guys seek out like mentors? Like, did you, or did you guys just kind of just fire away and then see what stuck and then move, moved on from there? You know, the, there's different skills in podcasting um, that require, they just require different approaches, I think. One, the first one that we learned was how to work just with each other, just the three of us. Mm. We had great chemistry that right out the gates, which helps, right? So it's like when you meet, you know, and you make friends with somebody and then you guys could just talk forever. Uh, like that, that, that chemistry that you find every once in a while. We had that. So the three of us on the podcast, that developed very quickly where we got very comfortable. We had our flow and it was just, it worked. We knew when to shut up, when to let the other guy talk, when to interject. Um, and and the, that came first. Interviewing people was hard. That took mm-hmm. a while because we had developed our own flow. And we didn't interview much at all. In the first, I think the first year we didn't interview not even a single person. I think we started to dabble that the second year. And we had our own flow. Now you throw someone else in that. And boy, it was like putting a wrench in the machine. It was really weird. Didn't feel right. It was clunky. Plus, there's three 
posts. Mm. You know, who asks what and how do we work it out and all that stuff. Took a while, but we practiced and we did it over and over again. And it's look, here's the thing: a lesson that we you get from working out. You want to get good at squatting, you got to do squ- you got to do a lot of reps. You got to practice. So we just did a lot. Mm. We did a lot. We came up with the term podcast hard because we would go do interview like you know four in a day or five in a day, and it just you start to sharpen that skill a little bit. We also would observe other podcasters who we considered to be exceptional. Jordan Harbinger is one. Um, he's a friend of ours, so we would ask him some advice on interviewing. You know, you listen to people like Joe Rogan, who's a conversationalist, and how he does it. You can watch people like Oprah Winfrey. She's obviously, you know, one of the best of all time. Barbara Walters, who she doesn't interview anymore, but she was phenomenal back in the day. So you just you you just observe and you practice, um, and that's really what it is. We just did a lot of it. So you know, I don't think we're ready for the primetime interviews yet, but I think we'll be ready within a year. Uh, we'll, we'll be good enough to, to do that. But if you just have uh, Justin, Adam, and I on the mics, we're, we're gold. Like we, that is our, our flow is there. Like We've been there for a little while. The interview part, we've gotten better, but it's going to take us a little bit longer to get to the point where I think we're, we're, we're up there with the big dogs. I mean, I think you guys are there. I mean, just in my – just as – I mean, honestly, as a listener and a guest, just their professionalism and the way – the passion, it's like – yeah, there's certain interviewers like like somebody like Joe Rogan who is like a expert conversationalist or Oprah or even looking at somebody like like Ellen or Ellen or whoever is like having these conversations with people. Um, so like, all right, we all have like a dream list of guests. I know like a few of mine. Um, well, sadly, my one of mine was Kobe Bryant, and then he passed away. Um, uh, yeah, right. yeah, I know. And a couple of the other ones I have that are dreams for mine or that I'm is like Jay Shetty and. Um, and the other one that might be a little bit um, surprising is I would love to get Mark Wahlberg on there. Why? Yeah, yeah. Um, just because he's got a crazy story too. And a lot of people say I look like him. I don't really believe it, but I, <laughs> I guess I kind of have to, you know? Um, so who would you say, like you personally, who are some like dream guests? And maybe some that are like not necessarily like fitness people that you would like be like, man, if I could have these people on, that would be awesome. Oh, I would love, you know, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Uh, he'd be awesome. Um, Jordan Peterson, I would love to have him on the show, get real deep in the you know, human psyche. Uh, Thomas Sowell, he was the, one of the top students for Milton Friedman. He's an economist. Um, would love to have him on. Uh, I think, uh, I, I mean, uh, The Rock. Oh, yeah. I think exceptional. Dwayne Johnson, right? He would be an exceptional uh, person to talk to. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was my hero growing up. I know a lot about the guy. Mm. I think he would be an interesting person um, to talk to. Mark Wahlberg would probably be pretty good. He's really into fitness. He's got an interesting story. I think that would be a pretty good interview. And then, you know, really depends on what's going on in the world. Like, right now, who would I like to interview? Oh, man, I'd love to interview Donald Trump. Yeah. All the stuff that's going on, it's an election season. Boy, would that be fire, right? You know, whether you like him or hate him, I think that would be a very interesting episode, right? So... Those are the guys. but you know our podcast is not built on interviews. We do them, but uh, our 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 top our episodes without guests still outperform our interviews for the most part. Mm. So not a we're not a interview podcast per se. We do it, uh, but you know our podcast is mainly I would say uh, just Adam, Justin, and myself. Yeah, that's awesome, and I think like you got to find your your rhythm and your wheelhouse. I mean, I got a couple people that. Um 
I've interviewed or interviewing um, just based on the times that are, are kind of like kind of timely too. Like I had um, Dean Graziosi on the podcast. I don't know if you know familiar with him. He's like Tony Robbins. Him and Tony Robbins are business partners. And I got this, oh, I got this guy um, David Sinclair coming on the show next week. He's like the aging. He wrote the book like the Lifespan book where he believes that aging is a disease. And you yeah. can treat it just like anything else. So, and I'm interested to talk to him about like how people can navigate like the adversity of aging, like during this COVID and stuff. So, um, but I want to kind of finish up and, and kind of like bring everything back together with like your message and your story. Cause I think it's something important. Like one thing I really have noticed about you is that you have like this deep level of integrity and care for people just from an outside perspective, which is really hard to find in the fitness industry because there's a lot of people um, that are just not who they say they are on social media. And it seems to me, yes, you guys sell products. Yes, you guys have a podcast, but it just seems like in my gut and in my, you know, I can tell that you just really practice what you preach. You believe in what you say. Like, where did that all stem from? Is it just time? Oh gosh. You know, I, uh, I can only speak for myself, but I, I, um, my parents have a lot of integrity. They're very honest, hard work. I'm the son of immigrants. Okay. Uh, both my parents were poor Sicilian immigrants. My mom came here when she was four and my dad came here, um, at the age of 18 and they just work hard and they're just honest, good people. Um, they, if you ask them for help, they'll be there for you. If they say they're going to do something, they do it. And so I, 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 I saw that as, you know, as my example. Um, I have three younger, younger siblings. I, played an active role in, in helping to raise them because I was the oldest. Um, I, so I, I just love, I, I think I just love helping people. I love people in general. I believe that people at the root are good. I don't think people are bad mm. um, at their root. Uh, I just so happen to use fitness as the way of, of helping people. If it wasn't fitness, it might have been something else, but I love fitness. and I think it's a great way to do so. So it just, I think it just uh, worked out that way. I, I mean, and, you know, luckily it's the right way too. And what I mean by that is, I mean, boy, building a business uh, off of lies or, and I don't, I don't mean necessarily ripping people off, but just lying about who you are. Mm. That is a, that is turmoil. That's, that's hell. You don't want to be in that place. You don't want to be in the place where you have one of the worst things that can happen to you is you have millions of people adoring you and following you and thinking you're the coolest thing ever but the thing that they love the person that they love is not you mm. you know it's like it's like in the movies when someone is a, a superhero and the girl falls in love with the superhero but then they show up as their alter ego and the girl doesn't like them or whatever so they're like oh i gotta be this this other person or whatever i was like what a terrible place to be in you know mm. imagine walking around on the street and someone recognizes you and you're like oh i gotta put on the the fake you know who I am, or I don't really believe what I preach. What a terrible place to be in, you know. I'm, now I'm not saying being authentic is going to guarantee you success, but if you do become successful and you are your who you are, um, it's a much it's a better place to be. You're, you're much it's much more likely that you'll have found long term success and feel real purpose. So. I don't know if it would have been that easy if we started mind pump and achieved this level of success in my early 20s. It might have been more difficult, but uh, you know we're, we were in our 30s. Uh, I had lots of life experience, each of us, 
So um, I think it worked out that way. I think, you know, we're all now 40, so we're a little bit wiser. So you're probably hearing some of that too um, coming from each of us. But, you know, speaking personally, it's just, you know, I had great examples. I like to help people. And, uh, you know, thank goodness I can see that doing it the right way uh, is really the only way. It's the only way to achieve what, you know, what I think people want, which is meaning and purpose uh, in their lives. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head with people who are showing up on social media in one aspect, but then behind closed doors, you're like, "Wait a minute, I know that person. Like, they're not like that." Mm-hmm. And 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 if and if other people are saying that, they definitely. I mean, unless they're, yeah, I mean, they they definitely unless they're like oblivious completely, but they definitely see that and have that inside shame. And you really want to make sure you're building anything off of a strong foundation. That strong foundation, I think, starts with ourselves. And I think what you have done. And the, the team at Mind Pump has done that very thing. Your foundation stemmed from fitness and um, building off of that. And then it grew into this building this this empire of this fitness podcast that is now stemmed into helping millions of people just really be inspired. I mean, it's just – it's amazing, man. So I just really wanted to thank you for your time. I know you guys are busy. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I mean you guys are going to want to listen to this episode a few times. I mean only because like – if you really want to know how to build a podcast or how to do something right or how to like what fitness can really do, I mean, this all started with fitness. I mean, it started with Sal's journey as a trainer, and then that led into him meeting other trainers, and that led into them wanting to really create some sort of movement where they could help people. And that's where it is now. So um, I'm going to plug, obviously, you know, all the Mind Pump uh, products that are linked to their podcast or website in the show notes. I know you can find out more about Sal at at Mind Pump Sal on Instagram. I know he's very active there. If you want to laugh your butt off in the morning, just go watch his stories and all the memes. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's the funny, some of the funniest I've ever seen. And um, once again, thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. I want to do this too. Um, if, if any of your listeners are interested in any of our, our workout programs, mm-hmm. if you DM me on Instagram, so find me Mind Pump Sal, send me a DM and say, hey, I heard you on doug's podcast or just name the podcast then i will give you a half off code for any of our programs so just tell me that you heard me on this podcast in my dms on instagram and i'll i'll, I'll give you a half off any program if you're interested in a program i'll give you half off on, on whichever one you want awesome man thank you so much and yeah you guys are going to want to check out their programs i've done let's see which ones have i done i've done the at-home program i've done the split program and i think there's anabolic did i do i forget the split program is by far my favorite because it's like the more awesome. like the most like meathead program yeah, you know yeah. it's yeah, like yeah. old school and um so yeah so uh, once again thank you all for listening to this, to this episode of the adversity advantage i'm your host doug bopes and we will see you next time